four hours of interviews with Vladimir Putin. I watch them mostly because he's incredibly well-spoken man. Is he topless in the interviews? He is not. Like riding a horse. That's, that's my image of Vladimir Putin all the time. He should be riding a bear. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Welcome to episode 55 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. And in this episode, I haven't got a Lindsay. Oh no! Lindsay Williams is busy preparing for her jaunt going around the whole world. So I had to sort of bring in a guest host and I really wanted somebody who is experienced and um, I found luckily luckily one of my great friends and podcast podcasting colleagues on the circuit <laughs> if if the five language learning podcasts in the world um, like us can be a circuit um, and it's Chris Brohl on the show you're welcome no thank you so much for stepping in and taking over as a as a one episode co-host I'll nice to have best. you on the show I'll do my best. How's it going, love? It's going all right. It's going all right. We, I mean, it's too hot now, isn't it? You know, we've had some rain and some cold, and, and the last two days have been 25 degrees plus, and everyone's like, man, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, listeners, in case you're not, in case you don't know Chris, I mean, I've got so many like stories about Chris to tell, but one of the most exciting things about um, Chris Broholm, uh, he's the host of the Actual Fluency podcast. Which, God, how many episodes have you made so far, Chris? A hundred and thirteen, I think we are up to. So incredible. And in every episode, you interview somebody who is a polyglot, and I love that you have got such a, a range of perspectives. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea behind the show is that there's so many people learning languages and there's so many uh, experiences and perspectives that lead people down that path. And for me, it's just an endless curiosity of, of hearing essentially people's own stories. Mm. I completely, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to hear the interviews as well. So I, I love listening to you talk to people. It's a really fun show. So guys, if you're not listening to the actual Fluency podcast after this episode, you know, if you're, if you're a bit bored and you're waiting for the new creative, then please go over to actualfluency.com, check out Chris's show. But most exciting thing about Chris Broholm this week is that you now <laughs> live where I live. Yay! Yes, that's true. I just moved to Manchester in the north of England. Northwest, northwest. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's up there. And mm. um, yeah, it's quite exciting to have moved countries. I'm I'm happy to be here so far. People seem very nice. And um, there's lots of languages going around. For instance, at my job, I've already spoken Spanish, Russian, uh, Danish, Swedish, and English. So I'm German a little bit also. So <laughs> there's a lot going on. That's incredible. And we, I recently met you in person at the Polyglot Gathering in Bratislava and can't even tell you, like, your German is, is good. Oh, you, come on. you put it down a lot, but it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I recently did a German uh, interview for a whole hour, which was very painful for me and the listeners, I'm sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, my German is very conversationally fluent, I would say, but there's still a lot of ways to go before I will get you know, uh, mixed up with a native speaker. <laughs> and 
which languages would you say you're actively learning? Because I know that we've uh, you, you've been on this show before, and at the time you said you want to learn 10 languages in 10 years, and that's yes. probably two years ago. So how's it going? Yeah, well, I mean, 10 years, uh, 10 years I guess we're about four years into that 10-year goal. So I have not learned any new languages apart from German to a level where I'm confident to say that I've actually learned it. And for me, the, the level is simply, can I have a conversation about most things in the language itself without switching to English? You know, I can throw in an English word here and there if I don't know it, uh, but that's kind of my threshold. I think for most people, that's probably a, a good B1 if you if you use that kind of scale, maybe even a, a bad B2. Um, and I haven't quite gotten there with Russian yet, which was the first language I started learning uh, independently. Uh, but I'm getting closer and closer. I think I'm like um, doing a lot of work with Russian right now to improve my listening and my speaking. And I found some Russian speakers at my work. So I'll hope to to move that into the secured category. But otherwise, I have a lot of <laughs> quite bad languages that I need to uh, get put a lot of work into to uh, count for those 10. But I'm studying Spanish at the moment also as a new language, which is so much easier than Russian. So if any of you guys are out there studying Russian as your first independent language like I was, I'm you might want to switch to a European language like <laughs> French and Spanish because it's so much easier if you if you know English already. I mean half the vocabulary is the same and yeah, it's just basically the the further away you go, I think the harder the languages generally become and, and when you're learning your first language that can actually be quite detrimental to your overall progress. I mean, if I didn't have the podcast or the blog I would have probably given up in Russian because honestly, I got nothing. I got nowhere in in one year, so <laughs> that was a tough, uh, tough project. But tough projects also pay off in the end, you know. If if you actually make it to speaking Russian, like just an example from from Friday, I had a few beers with some of my work colleagues, and there were two native Russian speakers. And honestly, just saying one sentence well was enough to be for them to be impressed. But then we had a conversation and I, I'm not kidding. Their eyes were like, you know, teacups, they're huge eyes. And they're like, whoa, you speak Russian so well. And of course, they're being nice. <laughs> I know that. But that feeling is, is hard to beat. And you won't get that if you speak French or Spanish. They'll be like, oh, it's just French or Spanish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's really interesting. And you just said something that I thought leads us on really, really nicely to the to the current topic. Um, because I have, I, I usually we have a topic for this show. So as our as our co-host, I'm I'm allowing you to go, or like inviting you to come and weigh in. And what you just said was, if I didn't have the podcast or the blog, mm -hmm. I would have already given up in Russian, which I think is extremely interesting because we're talking about tracking, documenting, recording, you know, whichever word you want to use. So instead of it, the way okay here's how I think about this is kind of documenting your language learning to me is not really the idea of I am writing down every single second that I spend on it because I'm my language learning tends to be very fragmented I might do um I might do half a say something in Welsh here I might sort of look at BBC Cymru news articles later in the day but you know always for about two minutes and then I'm off doing something else I don't really concentrate. I'm more spontaneous with my learning. So if I had to write down every single stop and start in, in Welsh that I that occurs during the day or during the week, I'd be making myself crazy. 
But what I found really important and really helpful over time is this idea of, you know, the goal setting and the and the, the kind of tracking simply have I done a lot? Have I actually sat down and focused today? Or has it been a day of sort of bits and bobs? Or has it been a day when nothing has happened? Um, and that is the level to which I kind of document for myself personally. And that is kind of aspect one of language tracking is kind of just your personal time or am I getting anywhere or am I doing something? And then aspect two that you've sort of touched on is the idea of recording your goals um, and writing down here's what I want to do just so it comes out of your own head and do you think that is important yeah for sure I mean the 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 thing about the blog and the podcast is of course it's accountability because there are people uh, even back in the beginning there were at least 10 people listening to the podcast in the first month so if I just suddenly gave up that would be sort of a personal failure it would be embarrassing to have to tell people you know what guys this language learning thing isn't for me anyway and I would kind of prove the point that it's, you know, you know, that old myth where people say, I just can't learn languages or I don't have the language learning talent or whatever. So I didn't want to, be, I didn't want to prove that myth um, to, uh, to the listeners, to the readers that I had, which wasn't many, but just the fact that there were some. Mm. And I really, you know, these people are some of uh, the people I've had the most emails from or emails back and forth from they're fantastic people and they're the reason that I've made it to 114 yeah um, okay I've got a question for you on that yeah uh, that's really interesting because you're saying oh it would be really embarrassing to tell people I gave up and I tell you now if I come on this podcast in episode 56 and I say to people do you know what um Welsh I, I'm done with Welsh. I don't want to learn Welsh anymore. I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. And Luxembourgish, I know I flirted with, but nah, that's, uh, just I'm, I'm language celibate now. Um, <laughs> I'm not learning. <laughs> you know, for me personally, um, I would not feel that I'm losing face. I would not in, in my blog either. I mean, it would be, and I guess I would not feel like a failure. I feel so accountable to myself, mm. but not so much to external people. So I love that you're saying I would find it really embarrassing. Can you kind of go into detail on that? What is it what what is it that makes you feel, you know, saying something publicly um commits you to it more? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's um maybe it's just my personal history. I don't know if any of the listeners have the same, but I've certainly let myself down a lot of times in my in my life. And every time you let yourself down it becomes a little bit easier to do. So now I'm at the point where, you know, if I let myself down, it doesn't really mean anything anymore. I could uh, let myself down this afternoon and I would I would not worry about it. I would sleep fine and get up in the morning, you know. But letting down other people who might have been counting on you or who might have been expecting you to do better or even, you know, time is so sacred. And, and when people... Uh, take time out of the day to send me an email saying great job on on that article or I really enjoyed this podcast episode with this and this guy and and you know it gives me motivation to continue learning then I'm suddenly not doing it for me anymore then it's a whole nother level you know I'm, I'm sort of a uh, how can I call it like a messenger in a way I, I'm, I'm delivering a a message instead of just a content instead of just a, a podcast episode mm -hmm. and for language mm -hmm. learning you can sort of draw the parallel where 
once you make the language learning meaningful to anyone else but yourself, then that also goes up dramatically. So for instance, if you just tell yourself, I'm going to learn Welsh, and you don't tell anyone about it, it's much easier to give up. But if you actually tell your Welsh friend, or mm -hmm. Gareth or anything, <laughs> I don't know, uh, if you just told Gareth, Gareth, I've given up on Welsh. I mean, if that doesn't hurt you to say, then uh, then it, it just proves the point that there are a, really a lot of different uh, mindsets in this, because some people yeah. aren't not uh, influenced a lot by external factors. They uh, They don't get the same accountability. But for me, it's definitely like, yeah, I don't care about myself anymore. It's just, I don't want to let other people down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. This reminds me a lot of, um, I mean, Lindsay and I mentioned this several times, right? The the Gretchen Rubin Four Tendencies framework. Uh, framework. Um, and I think, I think I remember I remember Lindsay coming onto your show and talking about it. And just in case, guys, you you don't know what I'm referring to. We have got a past episode about this. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, the Four Tendencies Framework talks about how people keep up habits. And there is Gretchen Rubin, not um, as not an academic researcher, but a, a really great observer of human nature in my mind. And she observed that there are people called obligers who will not keep promises to themselves as much. So Chris is saying, letting myself down is okay. Yeah. I just don't want to let others down. But there are people called upholders who can keep a promise to other people and a promise to themselves. Uh, people called rebels who seemingly can't keep promises <laughs> to themselves or externally. So, you know, might have a hard time getting motivated at times because they feel like they don't like the idea of feeling under pressure. Um, and then there are the people called questioners who will only do something if it makes sense to them. Mm. Um, and I, I fall totally into that category. So I have questioned myself on whether I want to learn Welsh and whether I'm down with Welsh. And, you know, I've I've gone through this whole thing because I gave up Russian in order to learn Welsh. So then right. I had to, I did a lot of like, I was basically doing pro and cons list for like five five weeks and agonizing. And then, but when once the decision is made and I find this with myself, it's like, I don't care what Gareth says. I don't care what a teacher says. I, I don't care what anybody else says. If I want to learn Welsh, I am learning Welsh until I don't want to. And then it's it's hard to, like, it doesn't hurt me to say to somebody else, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, but it's interesting that we Because have... I will have a reason. Of course. But uh, that's really interesting that uh, there are people who, who feel that yeah. way. Because for me, it, it's definitely much much harder to let down other people or if you said you do something and then you don't do it that definitely hurts a lot to me uh whereas i can tell myself you know whatever you know and nothing happens mm -hmm. it, it hurts me too but not because i feel like i'm losing face but because i feel like i made my i don't know i feel like i committed to something and then i'm not keeping it up to myself you know right. so to me feeling like i'm letting myself down feels feels like I'm letting myself down. <laughs> well, I understand that. It doesn't feel that. good. Well, you're, so, you're always going to be involved yourself, right? Like, yeah. Even if I let other people down, it's a function of my own beliefs first and foremost, because I, I wouldn't say I'm learning uh, Greek because this guy told me to, you know, it's always your own, <laughs> it's always your yeah. own decision first. So even if you're letting other people down, you're also letting yourself down at the same time. But it's just like, which do you feel the most, I guess? 
Mm, that's that's really fascinating. So it really and and it gives you it gives us this idea of documenting because something that or that, that you know a different kind of insight because what you're talking about is a real external accountability just by the nature of saying your saying publicly that you're doing this or saying publicly here is what I commit to do if you do it privately it won't work as well whereas for right. me the act of documenting it is already strong enough but I still need to document it and I think there is this extra point where I believe that most humans <laughs> most people um, who especially in language learning um, are better with goals when they bring the goal out of their head and they document their progress somehow. It doesn't have to be public as in you don't have to have a blog or a podcast, but even having your own personal notebook and checking back on yourself, I find this so helpful, especially mm. in language learning, because language learning is full of pitfalls and false beliefs, right? It's so difficult to know what you're going to be capable of in the next yep. three weeks. It's so easy to overestimate yourself and then to feel like, well, you haven't done anything, so you might as well just not even bother. When when actually, looking back on past Chris or looking back on past Kirsten, I, I often find that Kirsten from three weeks ago kind of, you know, like like I feel accountable to her a little bit, um, but only if she was if she was making smart decisions at the time. Hmm. You know, so I need to know what question from three weeks, three weeks ago thought. Right. But I think this is like this one of the most important things because learning languages is such a, an arbitrary thing to do anyway. You know, if you're just learning facts or the let's say you're learning the capital cities of the world, you know exactly how many you've learned and how many you have left to learn. But language learning is such a complicated jigsaw puzzle with infinite amounts of pieces that fit together sort of one way or the other it's a pattern in a pattern in a pattern and i just think that that doesn't often um that that doesn't translate to day-to-day -day improvements and if we don't feel day-to-day -day improvements it's very easy to get demotivated so that's why tracking is 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 super good and i i, I have to put in a little disclaimer there tracking things that you can control i think is is key because if you start tracking something like words learned or i don't know minutes able to speak or something random like that then there are too many sort of factors that go into that so i would recommend people if they're starting out with tracking or they want to track some parts of their language learning i would really recommend tracking things that they can control like hours or minutes even or textbook pages um, could be points in duolingo points in memorize whatever app you use uh, like right now i'm using the linguist app which uh, has uh, like daily words or whatever you go through or learning points i think they call it I'm trying to do 100 a day which takes quite a long time actually but because i try to do 100 a day it's like i do more than if i didn't do <laughs> if i didn't have that overarching goal you know if mm -hmm. i didn't track the the number of learning points if i just said oh i'll just sit down and 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 work on the app until I can't be asked anymore. And for most mm -hmm. people, that will mean a lot less learning. But because you have that number in the left corner that says slash 100, you know, so you're at 27 out of 100, I usually push myself more than if I didn't have that. So that's a, a good example. But track the things that you can control for sure. And then the so the output 
I, th- I find it funny that people try to make it, um, they try to make language learning into some kind of collection of facts that takes a certain amount of time. Like I just got an email from a guy who was learning uh, English, he's a French speaker, and he was worried about his uh, getting to a C1, C2 level, I think he wanted to. And, you know, he asked me questions like, how long does it take to go from A2 to B1? And I'm like, you know. <laughs> how long but... is a piece of string? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, he's not alone. You know, a lot of people think yeah. that there is some kind of, of, of pattern or some kind of that each language is completely the same structure wise. So you can really deconstruct the process. But when it comes to it, even very academic studies, like uh, I think the was the US foreign something, something, they said you needed a certain number of hours to learn each language. And I think uh, Russian was Foreign Services Institute who issue uh, or who have a scale of, you know, where where they see different skill levels. Right. So the Russian one was, I think, over 1,500 hours. But when you think about what it, is, I mean, what is a study the, hour? Right. That's the other point. But the, the main point I have is just like, that was the estimate. That means that there are great people, great students who are really dedicated and and perhaps talented, if you want to use that word, uh, who can do it in half that. And if you imagine like a bell curve, you know, most learners will probably be around the middle of the bell curve, but you as an individual can be anywhere along it. And I think I would be one that took takes a little or a lot longer to, to learn Russian than, than other people. But the, the key point in which we, it's all about this. This is what this episode is all about, is how can you know if you've even done 1,500 hours if you don't track anything? Like, how can you even have an idea? I have no idea how much, how many hours I've done in Russian because I never tracked the hours. But I can go into Memorize, I can go into the apps that I've used, and I can see the points that I've accumulated. Um, and I think it would have been helpful or beneficial for me to actually track the hours. Um, okay. But I can't be bothered to do it. So, you know, that's a trade-off there. <laughs> It's a funny one because to me, um, and again, again, I see, I see my questioner pattern perhaps coming out. Um, is that to me, memorize points or like word lists and things like that? I find them so arbitrary. I completely agree that we cannot see our progress. You, you know, like you, you. I think when you are learning languages, one of the hardest thing as an adult language learner, and one of the hardest things that that we are challenged to do is to almost release control or release that desire for you know for kind of a a a result and and um what should i call it release that desire to be in charge Mm. and instead almost like you you know you can almost kind of think of it as if i'm if you want to get metaphysical it's like you said language is esoteric as in you need to trust the process yeah you learning a language in a way to me is learning to trust yourself and you need to trust yourself more than you trust memorize and more than you trust duolingo and whatever whatever else you're doing those are all extremely and i do a lot of memorize right those are all extremely useful helpers on the way but ultimately it's you who knows can i do this or can i not do this and am i feeling good and at the end of the day as long as language learning results in you being more capable in a way that gives you more pleasure when you actually perform that act of speaking the language 
I think that means you're doing well. And I don't care if that means you're at A2 or B2 or C2 or wherever you are, because you're going to want to challenge yourself naturally. But you don't have to, because this is the beauty of adult learning. You don't have to perform to anybody else. Mm. And in that way, I really agree with you that like productivity and the idea of um, the idea of kind of becoming this, what shall I call it? The idea of becoming this sort of machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, the, the, you know, even the idea of kind of saying, OK, I do half an hour every single day. To me, that is it's just not what it's about because I just want to, you know, I'm just here to have fun. Mm. Um, and, and if I, you know, you, we've all experienced that and you described it in one of your blog articles that I thought was so, made me really excited because that's sort of the language habit uh, work that I've been doing. You know, the whole idea of essentially if you just build a habit, if you just kind of stick with it and do it regularly, regularly, don't care how much you really do, it'll just, you know, it'll become part of you. Yeah. Um, and what you were describing made me so, so as so many times. So guys, in case you don't know, but Chris, um, Chris is a, a lovely, a really lovely writer on on your blog. I think you are, um, and you make you you do have a. What's your course called? Remind me. Uh, language routine mastery. Yes, and and that is that is lovely. I I enjoyed that course as well, um, and but, you know, Chris talks a lot of sense, uh, which makes Kirsten happy, but. <laughs> what you described was I think it was your it was one of your clear the list posts which is something I want to get to in a minute um and you described that now you know you'd been setting yourself these big goals in I think it was Spanish and just didn't really so you instead went okay I'm just going to be really casual and just going to say I'm just going to spend like two minutes every day yeah two minutes whatever you know and then you described which is something happens to me as well you described that feeling of okay you open your app or you open your book and you you start your two minutes, and poo before you know it, you've done half an hour. But if you had planned to do half an hour, you wouldn't have even started because that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, it's a it's a huge mindset difference, and you know it has to be said that this is also it's such a huge topic, right? And it, there's so many different uh, ways to have. There are also people who have zero motivational problems, and I envy them a lot. If you're out there, you know. Yeah, you should enjoy that. I mean, there's a, I read a study that about 10% of people are just inherently motivated. They don't need external or internal extra motivation to keep going. For me, I need to really... Lindsay like, Williams, <laughs> if you're hearing us. <laughs> Co-host. Uh, yeah. But but I think that it what you're saying is also really important, but there's always a balance because there's no way that you can learn a language in, let's say, a, a shortish time frame, let's say six months to fluency in Spanish, like a really high level, call it somewhere in the middle, B1, B2, whatever. There's no way you can do it unless you really take it seriously and you develop an, a plan of action that will get you there. So what we're talking about is more about fitting your studying to your goals, to your life. Because if you're a professional language learner, if you need to be a diplomat or a language officer in the army or whatever, you you probably need to work on it more like a job. But if you have another job and you just want to learn some Spanish to speak with your friends or your colleagues or whatever, then that changes the nature of the productivity also. Uh, and there are some people who have struggle with motivation or they beat themselves up and they end up not doing anything. And these are the people who would really benefit with that advice that you just gave of doing a few minutes. 
because I was flustered with uh, overly ambitious uh, process goals, as I call them, which is the day-to-day. I, I think I said something like, I want to listen to a podcast episode. I want to do one chapter in the book. I want to do one lesson in this. I want to do one lesson in that. And by the end of it, you know, you're just like, you're never getting started because your to-do list is just too massive. But there are some people who will see a to-do list like that and they'll be like, okay, I'll do one, check. I'll do second, check. Um, So (laughs) if anything, I would just say, like you mentioned, it's really about how you feel about it. If you Mm. feel that you're doing really well in your language learning, there's no need to try and change that. Don't don't try and fix what isn't broken. Mm. Like I, I get emails from people like uh, this is a very recent one I got. Somebody said, Chris, I'm doing really well on on most days. I get like I think she mentioned like two hours of study and you know an hour in in the books and and with the apps and then like uh, a tutoring session. Uh, she said she every every other day or you know a couple of days a week was like that. And she asked me like how can I how can I do that every day? And I was like, why would you, you know, you're doing something <laughs> which is obviously working. Why yeah. would you, why would you try to fix what isn't broken, essentially? Like nobody yeah. said that you should do something every day if it doesn't work for you. I think language learning is a lot about consistency. And I think you get a lot out of working every day. But she clearly found out something that worked because she did like two hours every other day. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. And I think a lot of the advice that's floating around sometimes could be misconstrued as as prescription. Like when I say, try this five minute trick where you, you're going to sit down for five minutes or, you know, you can use a an analogy like going to the gym. I was just listening to the James Altucher podcast, which is a, a really cool podcast for self-development, business and leadership. And okay. he interviewed like a top Marine and the Marine was like, yeah, if you just like, what's the hardest part of doing anything? it's getting started you know he said if you just go to the gym what are you going to do lie on the floor <laughs> you know um so just just open the page open the textbook open the app do anything and you will actually find that you'll do much more and this advice works for some people especially people who might have a bit of a slump which mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if you get that but sometimes i just get bored or disinterested with the language so i take like an extended break. But if I tell myself, okay, five minutes, come on, I can do five minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I sort of stay in, I stay in the game, even though my mindset might be a little bit towards just taking a long break, which I think is a, a generally a bad idea to take extended breaks, but sometimes it's, it's necessary, of course. Yeah. That's, um, that's really interesting. There's, there's something, I mean, there is a lot in that <laughs> and one and very, you know, it's a lot of sense and I agree with you. The the one thing I thought was really interesting is that you're you're um and you you capture something that people really do feel and you know like some of us feel I don't usually get this too much the idea of feeling like I'm doing really well or I'm not doing really well like language learning for some reason in every area of my life from business to sports I evaluate myself also like this um but in languages for some reason I usually kind of no, I maybe in French actually. Oh, for some okay, this is weird. In French, I judge myself. <laughs> in Welsh, I don't. In Welsh, I'm just like I'm doing great. I'm do- I have all the way through so far in Welsh. No matter what I've no matter what I've done, I've just felt like I'm doing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like because I'm having so much fun, 
Um, whereas French is kind of, maybe it's because I learned it at school for so many years, but even in school I wasn't always great. I just kind of, I don't know. Like there is the difference. The difference here is that I'm doing Welsh for the love of it. Mm. And I'm doing French because I was good at French and I don't want to be not good at French. Right. Uh-huh. I understand that. And I think oh, that you, the fundamental <laughs> the fundamental motivation is is is, is important. Mm -hmm. I think that like the discussion of whether it's required at all, like if it's absolutely imperative, is a bit of a for me an internal discussion right now because I talked to somebody who's super disciplined and has basically taken language learning to uh, a job or more than a job, like a really dedicated and organized pursuit, which is uh, Alexander Agels, uh, mm -hmm. who's a doctor uh, of philosophy, I think. Um, and I, I asked him at a conference, I just asked, because he always talks about this, like you need to have the motivation. And I, I, I went up and said to him, don't you think that it's possible for someone to sort of just get on with it and just be successful without that? And he said, he just said, no, there was no, not even a, con not even a hesitation. And you know, I am not sure. For me, it's 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 tough. You know, I think there is that's a, that's there's a difference between. I think that's why in in the toolkit I was so heavy, and you as well. Like you mentioned, like the what do you call them? I call them the vision goals. You know, the big overall goal that keeps us going. Uh, outcome goals. I yeah, well. that needs to be strong. I think. However, something that I feel we're we're sort of talking around is the idea of doing something because you feel like you should. Hmm. And that's never that never feels as good as doing it because you want to. But I don't think we can deny the fact that it's a genuine thing, right? That pretty much in our society, we all feel like there are things that we should do. Hmm. It's impossible. And I don't know even whether that's like a good thing or not, because often if we feel like we should and then we achieve something, then we feel like, oh, yeah, we achieved something and we can look at ourselves again. But I think it's fair, fair to say it doesn't feel as good as doing something because you want to, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, huh. I don't, I don't know. But the reason that I, I am having this internal dialogue is because <laughs> internal dialogue. Well, I guess I'm a split personality, but <laughs> you like this, debating with yourself. Yeah. On this, on this <laughs> topic, I, I'm split down the middle because I think I have a fundamental belief that anyone can do pretty much anything like i'm not going to become an astronaut of course and i can't you know play basketball professionally so there are of, of course the old saying that you can do whatever you want is is crap basically you you know you can't do any everything you know i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll never be a professional uh, ballet dancer or whatever uh but is it possible for me to train in ballet enough to be impressive to most people yes i think so i think you can do so much and we all have the capacity um the the question comes is it possible to do well and in language learning i guess that means actually learn the damn language <laughs> is it possible to learn the language without an overarching or a back backup of re a reason or a motivation an, an overarching reason and i just i just don't know i i i'm trying <laughs> I can certainly say that I'm trying, but sometimes I also find that you can find the reason later. Like mm -hmm. if, if I yeah. wake up one day and I say, oh, it would be really nice to speak Russian. That does, that's not much, much of a motivation, by the way. That's like, that's like just an impulse. Uh, but once you've, let's say you've 
done it a couple of hours and you found a really great TV show that you have with subtitles you really enjoy, or maybe you you met a Russian speaker on some internet forum or on Skype or something, you can build the reasons later. Um, they might not be as strong as if, let's say, your grandmother was Russian and you really wanted to talk to her. That's a really strong reason. But, you know, I, I think it's still possible, but it's obviously very helpful to have those, uh, have those deep, deep-rooted uh, motivation. I think it's possible. I agree. But I wonder if it's... Hmm, I, there is, I wonder how much internal resistance we build up in that way by doing something like that and i i don't know the answer to this and um i i want to i want to kind of move on to clear the list in a second um but so so we'll have to park this de debate because <laughs> we're not going to get the answer no i'm just i, I just think, think it's so interesting you are right because i think often i think what we think of as motivation for learning a language is is almost is only on the surface the idea of I want to talk to my grandmother or I want to travel or, you know, I want to get an A. And I think what is below, what lies underneath that is identities of personal achievement yeah. and, and a deeper understanding of who we are and who we are and what language learning makes us. And I think that yeah. has to be there. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's, I was just thinking the same and, and, like the the fun thing could be if you ask me like Chris, why are you learning Russian? Uh, to people who are outside the community and don't really uh, get to read or listen to anything about language learning, I would probably just say um, because it's a cool language and there are lots of people who speak it and I, I kind of like the the culture or whatever. But actually, if you dig under the surface, the real reasons for me continuing to learn Russian is uh, because like like I started this episode saying, people want to see me do well, you know, and it's a personal intellectual pursuit for me. I want to be I want to be mm -hmm. multilingual because it's really cool to be multilingual, you know. Yes. Um. Yes. And so for me, like, you know, I've been watching. There was just um a, a couple of interviews with Vladimir Putin just came out on uh, Showtime HBO for the. American listeners will definitely know what that is, but for Europeans, you have to find other ways to uh, to watch them. But if you really want to watch, if you want to watch, them, you, to watch Vladimir, them, you know, <laughs> four, four, hours, four hours of interviews with Vladimir Putin. I watch them mostly because he's incredibly well spoken. And is I, he I really, topless in the interviews? He is not like riding a horse. That's that's my image of Vladimir Putin. He should all be riding time. a bear, but no, he's really cool <laughs> in the interviews also. But he's not topless. But okay. I mostly <laughs> watch them for the for the Russian language because he's incredibly eloquent. You know, he's a very well spoken. He's very he doesn't uh, he's very concise also. So if you want to learn like proper proper Russian uh, mm -hmm. and also some political Russian, which is good vocabulary to have if you want to have greater discussion instead of just talking about the weather. Those are some good sources, but anyway, the point was, um, the point was that there's an interpreter in the show because, of course, the American journalist doing the show can't speak Russian, and Putin speaks a little bit of English, but he prefers to communicate in Russian. And I'm just seeing like that interpreter. I'm like, that guy is a cool guy, you know, because <laughs> he's just back and forth. And I have a few interpreter friends, and they are the most impressive people I know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, one day. I can, I can maybe you know, uh, interpret a a small, 
banter conversation between some of my friends. Uh, or maybe if I'm stuck at the airport and there's an old Russian woman who needs help, I can I can help her. So that's the kind of intellectual yeah. pursuit that I'm after, which well, is we... a very sort of it's a little wishy-washy, I'll, I'll say, but I think it's it, it's powerful anyway. No, no. See, this is oh, I'm so excited because this to <laughs> me, this to me is your. This is why I love the idea of the vision goal, right? Because this to me is your your vision. You know, like it's your personal one. Yeah. And that's why I think vision or outcome goals are so, so powerful because they are not that they, they if somebody else if they are what somebody else has prescribed for you, like I want to have a fluent market conversation with a market trader. Like, no, because a lot of us don't want that. Don't care. Right. Yeah. But if it really comes from inside of you and it becomes about who I want to be, then it's amazing. OK. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. But that can be that can be just a, a slight uh, disclaimer. That can be slightly, uh, that could be more vanity than anything else, which is a little bit of a dangerous uh, zone because you know, you're if you just who cares? No, well, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's why I'm telling you because I I'm I'm saying that for me, I don't care what people think of my goals because they're mine. You know, they can mm-hmm. make up their own, but and they're free to judge mine whatever they want. But the line between the vanity of I. I I can speak Russian and having the intellectual ability to speak Russian, I think is very different. And I think that it's very important (laughs) that you don't, uh, that you don't just say, Oh, it would be nice to speak Russian because then it becomes sort of a a vanity thing. You know what I mean? It has to be detailed. I think it has to be detailed. It has to be vivid. Um, But yeah, I think it's funny because my goal, um, my vision goal for for Welsh is, It it embarrasses me to to say to people, you know, <laughs> I have shared it because I think it's useful, you know, as a as a illustration of the, how I understand the vision goal. But to me, it also feels like, oh my god, Kirsten, come on, you know, that's not you. But it, I actually find it motivating, and for, for me, as somebody who struggles as well with sort of you know lower self confidence, um, I have found it kind of interesting what it does to me in my mind to really hold to this goal and to bring it back to my mind on a regular basis um, by by mentioning it to people, um, which is, I want to win Welsh Learner of the Year. Yeah, there you go. Because that's like a thing that they that they give to people and you get like a little, I don't know, I don't even know, I hope I get a medal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just, that's great. It's so, I feel so presumptuous saying that on the one hand, but then on the other hand, I really do. I think, I, it just because I think it, that would be so cool. Okay. Well, now, okay, we have... okay. One, one last. <laughs> okay. I know we keep putting it off, but uh, I just <laughs> wanted to uh, to end on a practical note and say that, you know, the the vision goals that I just said actually surprised me a little bit because they were very internal. They were very like as I was vocalizing them, I was sort of digging them out, and I just realized that if you are sitting there and you're learning, I don't know, Cantonese or Spanish or whatever try to visualize or vocalize the, the, those dreams, no matter how silly they are, try to put them on paper or, you know, write in hand if you prefer or, or speak it into your dictaphone or iPhone or whatever, just so you have to actually say them because then they become much, much more tangible and they become much more real. And I just realized I had a lot of great reasons to learn Russian that I didn't, that they weren't as uh, close to the surface as I thought. Um so so oh, amazing. So this is a 
coaching and therapy yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the podcast. Okay, this brings me to, and um, just want to uh, just plug the Language Habit Toolkit, which has got a vision goals worksheet. So if you're absolutely lost, take a look at that. It, it kind of, it's basically, a, you fill it in, but I've put together kind of a few conversation starters with yourself. Um, to hopefully dig and kind of get you to what motivates you underneath because I think it's important. Okay, now, we, I wanted to touch on the idea of, you know, we've talked about recording, documenting, accountability, and we've, I think we've established it doesn't really matter what, ex or like, not it doesn't matter, but we can't tell you, the listener, what exactly to record. You know, like so for if, if you want to record time and hours and you're a person who loves going by schedule, that's what you do. If you want to just kind of keep track of memorize, do that. That works fine. If you want to write down your goals, um, I, I agree with you, Chris. I think as you write and vocalize and um, put put it, you know, put words together to to illustrate those goals, I think it helps you reflect on what's hard, what strategies are working for you, and perhaps whether you are perceiving a lack of progress or whether you are making progress. Now, I the natural place to to put documentation. What do you think? I'm I've sort of written down a few ideas and I'll just throw them all at you. Mm -hmm. Um in the interest of time, but you know, you pick your favorite maybe. Um there is the idea of a blog. So really just keeping your keeping a public diary. Um, there is the idea of a study buddy, just or perhaps your language exchange partner, you know, somebody who starts to count on you. Mm -hmm. um, then the group class, which is you just rock up, but well, I, I'm not going to evaluate them now, but there is the group class, which is a, certainly a regular appointment. Um, there's online groups. We know about the Add One Challenge, and there are a few other groups running, right? There's the Italki Challenges, um, and I'm sort of planning to run an accountability group later in the year. And you check in with people who are taking routine mastery as well. So I think yeah, this is exactly. a good service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's part then, of it. We have a little Facebook group where I think that it gives it meaning every week to have, like I do it on Mondays, I check in with people and I ask, what did you do last week and what are you going to do this week? And just yeah. that little push, that, that little nudge is a great way for people who might be getting close to a bit of a motivational crisis. It could be small or big. Like some people are like, oh, I'm not going to study another language in my life again. You know, that's a big motivational crisis. But there are people oh who gosh. have like, you know, the Monday blues or they they just lose their mojo for some reason in the language. And I think a little nudge and to see other people. And I'm I'm really thankful to have at least four or five in the group come up with very detailed uh, stories of what they did last week and what they're going to do this week, which will then push other members of the group who see this to actually go and do something and, you know, yeah. maybe even comment. Uh, commenting takes a lot of work, uh, mm -hmm. if, especially if you're in a bit of a, uh, if you're in a bit of a blue rut and you didn't do much last week, then it's tough to sometimes add your voice, but just seeing what other people are struggling with or working on, uh, I think really helps. So, so accountability is really the secret, I think, to success in language learning. Because you have to be accountable to something or someone. And like you're yeah. very accountable to yourself, so that's very helpful. You don't have to uh, go far to find that. But some people like myself, uh, I'm terrible at keeping myself accountable. So I need to go other places for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I, I have a, there's a Facebook group called Fluent Language Learners that I run. 
um, and we do ch we do check in Saturdays when I'm around to do them. But I have I've picked them up again, guys. No panic over. Um, Kirsten's back, but <laughs> I've been a bit unreliable, <laughs> which is well, not the point a, of it. I have a secret, which I'm sure everyone in the group knows, but the the posts are automated. So yeah, it's not it's not me personally writing them, but I will personally always uh, reply to myself in a way uh, with what I did that week. But that ensures that even if I'm feeling down, because believe it or not, you know, content creators and even people who actually write on motivation or uh, think they're good enough to actually speak a whole hour about motivation, they also have motivational problems and 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 mojos and Blue Mondays and whatever. Actually, Blue oh Mondays is a, is a thing in Denmark after your religious uh, confirmation but that's a different story <laughs> <laughs> so i i mean I'm, I'm already getting the feeling from you that out of blog study buddy group class and online groups you're with the online groups definitely uh, there's community also the idea is important yeah community is important but i, I think you can, i think a blog i think everyone should have a blog really and yeah not just in the language learning world but just in general uh first of all because i really love reading people's stories and people are just write so amazingly well like some of the people in clear the list for instance i'm really amazed at how well they write you know it's not about how much they write or how how much they did or how how the results were it's just the way they form a narrative which is sort of a very technical way of saying that they write good stories but they're not mm -hmm. made up you know they're they have a a progression that i really enjoy reading and for me it it, it motivates me a lot to read uh, for instance, Lindsay, I'm always impressed with, and and Shannon as well. Holy, you know, I've written to Shannon so many times, saying like, how how do you get all this stuff done? And like, you know, she has a she has a baby, and she has a a husband, and 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 she has a job, and she's selling blues records and <laughs> online courses, and does a blog post every day. And I don't know how she does it, how she's doing it, but. You know, there are people like that who are just amazingly inspiring, uh, inspirational for me to follow. And if yeah. you are sitting out there thinking, oh, but I don't have the writing talent or I don't have any achievements or it doesn't matter, just get writing and share the link in clear list or on Twitter, whatever. I'd love to yeah. read other stories. I, I lo love stories. So tell me, tell me, okay. Um, okay, I just want to touch on the final one. So just took, I've, I've ticked off my list in my head because I can't not finish a list seemingly. Um, <laughs> and that is to, what something you can also do in order to document and track your learning is to kind of outsource the responsibility ever so slightly um, and making yourself more accountable by putting throwing some money into the ring you can, um, yeah. and hi hiring a tutor or a coach, which works really great. But, so we've got the blog, the study buddy, the group class, online communities which are amazing reddit and facebook um i think are leading here uh tutors and coaches and we you previously mentioned the leaderboard on memorize app which yeah if you use that yeah, kind of it, stuff. It, yeah but that's that's you know <laughs> guys seriously get yourself a blog it's way better okay really um <laughs> so tell me to finish off tell me more about clear the list because we've mentioned it a few times and maybe not everybody is entirely down with what is clear the list all right. Well, Clearlist is a, a sort of a blogging link up is what they used to call it. I don't know if that's a term that's still being used, but it's basically a group of language learning bloggers who link to each other as a monthly habit. And so every the beginning of the month, my last entry was a little bit delayed because of my move, but generally around the first in every month, 
that you publish an update of what you did last month and what you're going to do this month. So it's similar to the one I do on Facebook, except it's months instead of weeks. Um, but the point is that, again, it's accountability because you're part of what is essentially an accountability group. Um, but it's also a way for, let's say, bloggers to get some traffic or some uh, people reading their stuff. So if you're just mm -hmm. starting out blogging, clear the list is fantastic because you will get your picture in in the bottom of every other post. So if there's 20 people, I don't know how many we're up to now, probably about 20, 20 blog, 20 bloggers are in the last list up a uh, link up. And if That's you, incredible. yeah, it's, it's, it's growing. Like the first month we were like five or seven and now we're up to, uh, and bear in mind, we're like four or five hosts. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you the most motivational way of, participating in ClearList is to become a host <laughs> um, or you can host your own link up or whatever because then you really feel the pressure to uh, contribute but the good point is that if you just started your your blog on wordpress.com or blogspot or whatever the free uh, blog hosts are uh, you will get some uh, get some attention which will really help your language learning because you know uh, they're reading it and often there'll be comments if you go to every ClearList post you'll see lots of comments from the other clear listers, which is like, it doesn't, you know, I'm not sure, I, I'm sure everyone isn't reading every post or every word, but I definitely try and jump around a bit and, and, and read people's updates. And, and I try to leave encouraging comments just to, to, just so that they see that there are actually people reading what they're writing. And it's great to see, you know, some new blogger who has like 20 comments on their first post, you know, that, that must be a great feeling. I remember, blogging for probably years before I had a couple of comments on a, on a blog post. So, so that's essentially what ClearList is. It's accountability, it's a link up, uh, a, um, a group of bloggers who showcase each other, who support each other and to basically spread the word. That's amazing. I, I didn't even know you had that many people in it. The hosts are, um, if I, I'm going to recall them and you'll have to just add people if I don't recall properly. You've got Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguist.com. That's linguist with an E at the end. Then no, there Shannon, is, I just mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Then there's uh, Lindsay Williams, co-host to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Um, and then there's obviously Chris from ActualFluency.com, who is my beautiful co-host today. <laughs> um, and I believe Angel Pretos is as well from FrenchLover.org. Exactly, yeah. Yes. Um, and are there any other hosts that are... No, that's that's the host for this time. And Four hosts, fabulous. Yeah, and, and who knows what's going to happen uh, when the concept evolves. Like we've been talking about ways to make it more efficient or including more people or uh, basically ways to enhance the good nature of clear the list. Yeah. Uh, improve it basically. And, and there we might try to do, we've just done a webinar actually together where we talked about uh, accountability in, in more detail. And that was pretty interesting, very cool. And I'm sure people enjoyed that. So really stay on top of Clear List because it's a, it's a great uh, initiative that you can get a lot out of. And I'm it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking where forward can... to seeing your, your, your blogs and stories and everything. Me too. Where can people go if they want to get an easy entry to Clear the List? Just, um, I'm going to, throw one of your blog posts in the blog in the show notes of sure. episode 55 and if you are reading the show notes is it a case of just click through to chris's 
blog post and then at the bottom there's a link up so you can just click through to the next person that's exactly it yeah if okay, i'll give you i'll give you the link to my june update where people can read mm -hmm. about my a chaotic well, a little bit chaotic move to manchester and at the bottom there's a there's a button that says add your link and if you add your link there you are part of the uh, you're part of the link up thank you so much chris okay so, well i think we've i i loved this discussion i want to really i want to thank you for your time and thank you as always i think this is this is what makes you um somebody who who i really value talking to you are so open about you know and and really open to to this discussion which i thought was was really really interesting so we've rather than just sharing tips i think we've had a real kind of deep dive into why accountability matters and what really matters about it and what really doesn't um i've really enjoyed my conversation with you so i want to thank you very very much chris broholm thank you can so be much. found at actualfluency.com um, and you'll find the show notes at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash podcast and just click on episode 55. Thank you so much. And I just want to say that I, it's uh, it's a big honor for me to be able to be here and, and, and share the experience that I've made and, and all the people. Actually, I tend to say that the, the, the things that I say are usually combinations of what I've learned myself, but also from interviewing so many amazing language learners. And you know, I don't see myself in it as a particularly good language learner, but I do consider myself very fluent to talking about language <laughs> learning. Um, so I would say do as I, I say or try to do what I say and, and don't look at what I do necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but do because you'll feel really good about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like... And the same with me. And the same with me. No, okay. Well. Just I have fun, we... you know, have fun. Yeah. I'm trying to sign about... out under the hour, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, but I'm too excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We did. You know, this is a show with lots of laughs in it usually, so I've got to keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and I'm I'm sorry for silencing our beautiful co-host. But if you want to hear more from Chris, it's Actual Fluency Podcast. That is the place to go for more of this like really wonderful debate. Okay. Bye, Chris. All right. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to leave us a rating in iTunes and also to subscribe. And please get in touch and tell us what you thought of the episode and our topics. On Twitter, we are at LD Languages and at Fluent Language, so we're easy to find. Or you can send me an email to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk.